attention to the book of Judges, uh, Joshua, I'm sorry. We have been addressing uh, the topic, Bridging the Gap. First sermon was, This is Different. And then we learned that we can do this together. Let us do it together. And then on last Sunday, we talked about, I've got a testimony. I've got a testimony. Today, we're going to share primarily from Joshua chapter 6. And the verse that I want to read in your hearing is from verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say, Shout. Then you shall shout. Amen. We're going to shout today, church. We're going to shout today. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we're so grateful for this sweet fellowship. We thank you, God, for every leader. God, I thank you for our elders. I thank you for the deacons. Lord, I thank you for all the core team uh, leaders. I thank you for our ministers, oh God. I thank you, oh God, for our greeters. I thank you for the praise and worship team. God, you are doing a great thing, and I'm just so happy and, and pleased that you have given me the privilege to be the shepherd over this house. Oh, God, I am humbled, and yet, oh, God, there's so much more to do, and we are excited that we get to be a part of it, of uh, building the kingdom of God for your glory. Now, God, have your way in the mighty name of Jesus. The church said amen. Amen. amen, 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 amen. It is good to have the wards back in the house. We missed them. Amen, they were missed. But a well-deserved vacation. Time to work again. <clears throat> All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, one of my favorite gospel singers, and some of you aren't going to appreciate her because of the age and the context in which she sings is Shirley Caesar. Somebody give me an amen. <clears throat> One of the songs that she sings is entitled, Hold My Mule. Hold My Mule. Shouting John says, Hold My Mule. Many of you are aware that Shirley Caesar, most of her songs are introduced by a story that she tells. And in this story about Hold My Mule, she talks about an old man who's 86 years old who hears about a church that is a dead church. A lot of dignified and sophisticated folks who didn't believe in shouting and raising their hands and giving lively witness to the Lord. But John joined that church. Every time John got into the church, somewhere in the service, John would begin to raise his hand. He would begin to jump for joy. John would start shouting all over the church. This upset the deacons. We don't act like this at this church. 
We are dignified and educated and affluent church, and this is embarrassing. And so they would go to where John was sitting, and they would try to hold his legs down, and he would raise his hands and praise the Lord. And then they would hold his hands down, and then he would start jumping with his legs. And then they would try to put their hand over his mouth, and then he would start moving from side to side. No matter what they did, they couldn't stop John from shouting. So the deacons had a meeting. This, 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 this got to stop. He, 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 he's making our church look bad. This is messing up the way things have always been. So they got in their luxurious cars and they drove from the city. I can't tell it like she told it. <laughs> and they drove down to John's farm, old man John's farm. And they found him pushing a plow on his massive property. And they got out of their cars and they walked towards old man John and they said, John, we got some issues with you. And he said, okay, let, tell me what's going on. He said, well, this acting out that you're doing, this raising your hands and getting loud and running around the church and jumping up and down, we don't do that at our church. And if you want to continue to attend our church, you're going to have to stop shouting, John. John looked at them. He said, you don't understand. He says, I'm 86 years old. And he says, as far as you can see you, this land, God gave me this land. He said, I've never been sick. I take no pills. He said, I've never had to get any of my children out of jail or visit the cemetery. He said, you just don't understand. But if I can't come to your church no more, just hold my mule and I'm going to shout right now. There is a time to shout. You may not be aware of the fact that throughout the scriptures, shouting is not only encouraged, but it's commanded. Some of us, I'm quiet. I, I'm just very introverted, and I don't get very emotional. But the Bible actually commands us to shout. And Psalm 98, verse 4 says, shout joyfully to the Lord. That's a command. All the earth break forth and and singing for joy and singing praises. Shout, it's a command. It's an imperative. I like what David says in Psalm 47, verse 1. He says, oh, clap your hands, all people, introverted, extroverted, outgoing, not so outgoing. Shout, your, shout and clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with a voice of joy. Shouting is commanded in the scripture sometimes. Now, though shouting is a command from time to time in scriptures, most often it is unforced and spontaneous. Shouting most of the time is unforced and spontaneous. It's a, re a spontaneous response 
to the kept promises of God, displayed power and presence of God. And so it's spontaneous. You don't even plan to do it. But when you think about the promises that God has kept and when you experience his divine presence and power, the next thing you know, you are exclaiming in a loud voice, a shout. In Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24, we see an example of a spontaneous, unplanned, unforced shout. The Bible says, the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burned offering and, and, and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all, say all, the people saw it. They shouted and fell on their faces. They didn't, they didn't plan to shout. They didn't plan to end up on their faces. But when they saw the presence and the power of God, they couldn't help but shout. What does the Bible mean when it talks about shouting? What is shouting according to the scriptures. Biblical shouting is giving praise to God for personal victories and blessings. Here it is, in a loud voice from a heart filled with joy. It's giving praise to God for personal blessings and victory in a loud voice from a heart that is filled with joy. Somebody say amen. amen. Shouting is not just randomly being loud to get attention. It is giving lively and loud praise to God from a joyful heart. Shouting is the loud verbal overflow of a thankful heart. David put it this way. He says, my, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he talks about he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My heart overflows. Yeah. That's, what, that's what shouting. It is from an overflowing heart of thankfulness. I'm so thankful, I just can't keep quiet. I just can't keep it to myself. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Overflowing joy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And thank you, Deacon Tim, for reminding me of the blessings of God. Sister Jack is in the house. Somebody say amen. Amen. Looking beautiful, too. And Brother Tim looking handsome. Amen, 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 amen. It's an overflow. My cup runneth over. If you don't have an overflowing running cup, then you don't need to shout. But if God has blessed you the way I know that he has, you ought to just shout right now. You ought to just shout. You ought to just shout right now. When God's people shout for the right reason at the right time, God will show up and show out. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 15, because some of you all may not believe this. It says, then the men of Judah raised a war cry. That's what it shouted. It's a war cry. It's a cry for battle. It's a cry of victory. The Bible says 
Then the men of Judah raised the war cry at the sound of the war cry, at the sound of their shout. Then it was that God routed Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah. It was at their shout that God routed the enemy. God shows up. And he shows out when his people shout. I find it interesting that the rapture can occur. That is when Jesus comes back to snatch the church out of the world to take us back to heaven. The Bible says we'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But none of that can happen until the Lord shouts. The Bible says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a mighty shout and with the shout of the stirring, crying archangels and the great trumpet of God before he will come back to call us back. He's going he gonna to shout. And all the dead in Christ will hear the shout. And we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Tell somebody, get ready. Get ready to shout. Amen. Amen. As we bridge the gap prayerfully this July to, on tomorrow, the 31st, we can appreciate what the nation of Israel was feeling on that day before they engaged in warfare to begin the process of possessing the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then to Moses, and then from Moses now to Joshua. And so there was excitement in the air, and that's why Joshua says in verse 10 of chapter 6, he says, you shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, nor shall you, a word proceed out of your mouth. You got to shut up. Until the day I say shout, then you shall shout. By the way, that's a command. When I say shout, when I say shout, we got to shout. Now, there are some important things that, are, that need to happen before we can shout to God out of a heart of purity. There's some things that need to happen. And I want to share those four things from Joshua chapter 6. And the first thing that needs to happen, if you're going to be able to shout, you can't do this out of a pure heart. You're not going to be able to close out in your thinking what other people may be thinking. You're not going to be able to get out of your own way until you start where Joshua had to start. You need to spend time in the presence of the Lord before you can shout out of a pure heart. You see, when you get in the presence of the Lord, nothing else matters. You lose track of time, place. You lose track of yourself because being in the presence of the Lord is no longer about you. It's about him. It's about him. In Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 15, through 15, we read, And it came to pass that Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted his eyes, and he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite of him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went, went to him and he said to him, whose side are you on? That is, are you on, are you for us or our adversaries? So he said, no, but I am the, I am, but as the, 
as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. I'm not on your side or their side. I'm on the Lord's side. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshiped him, and he said, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, who was this commander of the Lord's army that stood before Joshua before their first battle with a a sword drawn? It got Joshua's attention. When is the last time God got your attention? We know who this person is by how Joshua responded. The first thing that he did after the commander of the Lord's army spoke, he fell on his face. Something about being in the presence of the Lord will make you uncomfortable. Something about being in the presence of the Lord will cause you to find yourself prostrate. It don't matter what kind of clothes you have on. doesn't matter how much you paid for them. Don't even matter if you have a little author and writers when you're in the presence of the Lord. And so we know who this person was. It was none other than the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. Theologians call this type of manifestation in the flesh in the Old Testament a theophanies. And that means that during the Old Testament, before the Word became flesh in John chapter 1, and the Bible says we beheld his glory, the glory of the only Mogo Ganes, the only unique son of God. There were times when God gave Jesus, his eternal son, special assignments. And during those times, he would take on what we call pre-incarnation. He would take on human form. In this case, he took on the form of a military general, a military leader. And Joshua was able to see him with his sword drawn. And so the person who Joshua is seeing is none other than the second member of the Trinity. And in his presence, he was forced to humble himself by falling flat on his face. You need to spend time in the presence of the Lord. If we're going to build, the, build this gap or bridge this gap, we, need to, we had to start in the presence of God through prayer and reading the word and pushing our plates away. Somebody say Amen. Now, why did Joshua say, what would you have your servant to do? That was the question. He's on his face in the presence of the commander of the Lord's army, who's none other than Jesus Christ. And Joshua says, what would you have me to do? Now, I believe that by now, when Joshua knew that he was going to go into battle, he had a plan. But Joshua understood what Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says. Many are the plans that are in the hearts of men but the purposes of God will be accomplished. (laughs) Joshua knew that if if he was going to be successful, if we are going to be victorious, if the bridge will be gapped, it's not going to be by our might or by our power, but it will be by the Spirit of God. We must acknowledge him in all of our ways so he will direct our paths. Trust in the Lord. So he starts with, Lord, what would you have me to do? I know I can't do this on my own. Joshua understood that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And even when we stumble, we shall not utterly be cast down. 
And they say, Lord, what we, I, I got a plan. I got an agenda. I, I, I got a five-year strategy, but I'm going to scrap all of that to hear what you have to say. He was in the presence of the Lord waiting for instruction. But what does, notice what the commander of the army of the Lord says. He says, he doesn't answer his question. He says, take off your shoes because the ground that you're now standing on is holy ground. And what the Lord is saying, before I tell you what to do, you need to worship me for who I am. You can't serve God until you see him. Before I tell you what to do, you want the answers. You want a financial blessing. You want healing. God said, I got all of that, but you must seek ye first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and all of these things I will add unto you. Before I'll tell you what to do, you need to worship me for who I am. Who is he in your life? Is he the king of kings? Is he the Lord of lords? Do you see him as high and lifted up? Somebody say amen. Do you see him as omnipresent? Do you recognize that he is holy and we are unholy? And so he says, I'll tell you what to do after you spend time in my presence. Now, we also know that this is God. Because no ordinary person can turn ordinary dirt into holy dirt. That's what the Lord did to us. The Bible says, you are the temple of God. <laughs> we were sinners, lost in and set apart from God in iniquity and sin. We were dirty, wretched, undone. But God did something by his grace and his mercy. And that which was dirty is now clean. That which was unholy is now holy. You are now the temple of God. And the spirit of God dwells in you. We know that this was God because this angel, this commander of the army of God, accepted Joshua's worship. And so the first thing that needs to happen before you can really shout with a pure heart is you need to learn how to get in the presence of God. You don't have to wait until you get to church. You don't have to. You can be behind your steering wheel and the spirit of God just begins to have his way with you, begins to speak sweet nothing to your ear, begins to reveal to you what eyes have not seen, our hearts have not felt. You need to start with being in the presence of the Lord. There's a second thing that is needed as we get ready to shout. You need to be in the right place. Somebody say the right place. The Bible says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Now none went in and none went out. The city was shut up. They closed the city. And so what we discover here is God knows the places where we must do strategic fighting. He chose Jericho. He chose Jericho. Now, I want you to, before we kind of break that down a little bit, we all got some Jerichos in our life. There's some significant places in our life. There's some significant areas that have become strongholds that we've been battling for many years. And, and those 
things that we haven't had victory over are hindering us from God releasing to us the full benefit of his destiny and call on our life. There's a Jericho that God wants us to address. And so God knows what we need to deal with. We, want to, we don't want to change. We don't want nobody touching those things. We, we pray about stuff that won't really uh, 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 challenge our flesh, but God starts with Jericho. Jericho rec- rec- uh, represents the flesh on the throne. God chooses a place. He knows what we can handle. I don't know where you are right now in your struggles. I don't know what you've been praying about. I don't know what you need from the Lord, but he has chosen that place for you to be. So he chose Jericho. He will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to be. He knows what you can handle. Where are you right now? Are you in front of the fiery furnace? Are you, are you being challenged to keep silent about you? I don't know where you are. Are you struggling in your marriage right now? Are you finding yourself in physical and medical issues with pain and you just don't seem to be getting, I don't know what place you're in, but I do know that God will never place you in a situation that he has not already equipped you to have victory. Somebody say amen. I know I'm preaching. We're going to shout in a little bit. God also chooses a place where we can maximize our spiritual growth and advance, the his, and advance the kingdom of God, where you can maximize your spiritual growth and his kingdom agenda. What's interesting is that Jericho was strategically located. It was the central city that, that it was the hub. It was like Atlanta. If you want to get to anywhere in America, the place, the hub is Atlanta. Well, Jericho was the central place. If Israel conquered Jericho, it would separate the north from the south. So that means that the north and the south couldn't help the other side of the country. So God chose Jericho because it was centrally located. It was strategically located. It was on high ground. I'm on high ground. You're on low ground. So if you had a sword and I had a sword and I'm fighting from the leverage of high ground, I have an advantage. So Jericho was a place of advantage. And so God chose a place of advantage. God chose a place that was central, but he also chose the biggest bully on the block. Jericho had walls that were 42 inches, 42 feet wide. The walls were considered impenetrable. So Israel was able to defeat the biggest bully. You know, if you're going to fight somebody, don't go for the little guy. Go for the biggest guy and hope you hit him right. Because <laughs> if the big guy goes down, you got the room. So what God does, he picks the bully. He picks, he picks Jericho, the walls that, humanly speaking, were impossible to bring down. He picked that place, and he said, now I want you to fight them. I want you to fight them. So he picked a strategic place an impenetrable place according to what the world thought. How many of you know that God knows what he's doing? He knows exactly what he's doing. I I, I like the way Paul says, he said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs anything that we're going through. Anything that you're going through, that's why I look not at the things that are seen, because everything that I'm facing in the physical realm is passing away. But that which is eternal, as I'm depending on the weapons of spiritual warfare that are, are, that are mighty to the tearing down of strongholds, I have victory. And in beyond the present victory, I have a reward 
that far outweighs whatever I could ever experience this side of heaven. We need to be in the right place. That Jericho that you keep getting defeated by, that's the right place. That's the bully that keeps taking your lunch money. That's the bully that keeps you from walking in your destiny. That's the bully that keeps you walking in fear and doubt and, and hesitation and lack of faith. We need to deal with Jericho. God chooses the place. When we are in the right place, we will be able to shout out of a pure heart. Oh, you can do that because you've been in the presence of the Lord. But there's a third thing. You need to know the promises of God. You need to know. When you know what you know that you know, can't nobody make you doubt him. I remember when I started this out, when, we, when, we, when the elders said we needed what we needed, I got on my knees and I began to write a letter to the church. And God said, call it Bridge the Gap. I wrote it. And as soon as I finished writing it, I got a call from a guy I've been trying to get in touch with for months. And he said, God is going to give you more than what you're asking for. I'm still on my knees. And then I called one other person. They said, you need to call some heavy hitters. You need to call some people that are really going to help you get this money. So I called the person they recommended that I call. And, 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 and he's well known. I know him. And he said, God didn't tell you to do that. He said, you're too old. He said, here's what you do. You go down to that property. Don't tell nobody what you're going to do. And you walk around. You do what Nehemiah did. And you figure out how you can sell that property. I mean, this is somebody. I got all kinds of confidence in it. Somebody who walks in vision. Somebody who's dependent on others to be generous. And they said, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. No, no, no. He said, no, no, no. This is, this is not the time to be doing that. People aren't coming back to church. You need to do a satellite. That's what he said. I'm like, okay. I said, I hear what you're saying, but God didn't say that. God didn't say that. Now, that person hasn't written a check. They haven't directed me to somebody who I know could have wrote, written one check and it would be done. But he was a Sam Ballard and a Tobiah in the body of Christ who I've helped, who others have helped, and said, we can't do this. You need to know God's promise. I knew the promise of God. He gave us Middletown. How do you get a 10-acre property in the middle of a pandemic for $450,000? You can't do that. That same property is worth four times much more than that now. We could have never done it if we waited. That's God. That's God. Somebody ought to shout, oh, my God. Oh, God. That's God. God did that. You can't make me doubt what God has done. I know too much about him. Oh, that door, we've been praying and looking, and then all of a sudden it didn't happen by accident, by, by divine design. Don't tell me what God can't do. Shouting from a heart, from a pure heart, requires that you know the promises of God. You got to know the promises of God for yourself. 
Have you ever watched a little kid, a little child, their parents are, I'm going to take you to McDonald's. Yay! Shout. And, and when you get to McDonald's, I'm going to let you get a happy Yay! And I'm going to let you pick your own. Go, yay! And then the child will say, you're the best mommy. You're the best daddy. It's going crazy over of a Happy Meal. And then when you get them to McDonald's, they, they just like bouncing off the wall. They're so excited and they're celebrating because they receive the promise. Even before they realize the promise, that was reason to give a shout. Even children had sense enough to know that you should shout over the promises of God because his promises are yes and amen. Shouting is in response to God keeping his promises. Has he ever broken a promise to you? Can you reflect on your life when you look back and see that he's been faithful? Every promise that he has made, God has kept it, for he is not a man that he should lie. So I'm going to shout now because he's, he's already kept his promises. I wouldn't be here if he hadn't kept his promise. I wouldn't know him if he hadn't kept his promises. Jesus would not have come if he hadn't kept. Somebody say amen. Shouting is our way of saying thank you, God. Thank you, God, for keeping your promises. It's just, it's just good manners to say thank you. Somebody say amen. Shouting is our way of telling the world that God, that God, that God is a promise keeper. Now, I know none of you played a lot. Just be quiet and not make, don't, 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 don't tell, don't make, don't make, make the devil a liar. The devil's a liar, okay? But here are two things that I know. If any of us, any of you, hit that mega billion dollar lottery, First thing is, we probably would never see you in this church again. <laughs> and then the second thing is, when they put that check in your hand, you may be, you may be in a wheelchair, but you're going to get up. <laughs> you're going to get ugly shouting. Oh, even though they took about five million dollars in taxes. Oh, oh. But the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? I want you to know you couldn't pay for your salvation. But God, by his grace and in mercy, he has bestowed upon you salvation, eternal life. We ought to shout about that. We ought to give him praise. We ought to give him praise. We ought to give him praise because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. If I had a thousand tongues, I couldn't praise him enough. 
I don't want no rocks crying out for me. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to dance for him. I'm going to run for him. I'm going to twist and turn for him because he's been good. He's been good. Amen. Somebody say amen. Yes. Yeah, get, 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 get ready. Get ready. Get ready. It's not shouting time yet. Sit down. We need to be in his presence, in the right place, know his promises. But there's a final thing. We must follow God's plan completely before you can shout out of a pure heart. We've got to follow his plan completely. Now, here's the thing about the plan of God in Joshua. It made no sense militarily to do what God was telling Joshua to do. But we've got to follow it completely. The Lord told Joshua to choose seven priests with seven trumpets to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. And on the seven, God's talking about completion. God's talking about finishing it, not just getting started, but completing the assignment until the end. But because until the end, you can't shout right. Somebody say amen. And so he told the people, he said, look, here's what the assignment is. Here's how we're going to get the victory. The, 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 the army, the men bearing arms are going to be in front of the Ark of the Covenant and the seven priests that had the seven trumpets. And then they're going to have a rear guard of, of men who are going to protect the, the rear as they're marching around the walls of Jericho. They're going to march around the walls seven times. The first six days, they're just going to do it one time. But you got to be quiet. You can't even talk. And, 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 and the priests are just going to be blowing the trumpets. But nobody can talk. So they did it the first day. Praise God for that obedience. Then they did it the second day. Oh, God. They're getting ready to shout. Oh, God, because you can't shout until you finish. And so they did that for six straight days. And on the seventh day, the Lord said, you're going to march around those same walls seven times. And on the, at the, on the seventh time, the priests are going to sound the trumpet. And when they sound the trumpet, I'm going to give the charge. Shout now. Shout now. I wondered, I said, now what did they, what did Joshua tell them to shout? He told them to shout that God has given you the city. God has given you the city. Shout God has given you the city. I don't know how long they shouted, but I imagine since it was seven times to complete, they might have done it seven times. God has given us the city. God has given us the city. And the Bible says when they shouted, the walls of Jericho come falling down. Hallelujah. I want you to know that there's victory in your shout. There's victory in your shout. God will bring down walls when we shout. God will bring down walls when we walk in obedience. He'll bring the walls down. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. If they hadn't obeyed, the walls would not have come down. If we fail to build the gap, maybe the walls won't come down. But I don't know about you, but as for me 
and my house. I'm going to obey the Lord as for me in my house. I want you to understand something. When the Lord told me what to do, I immediately said to the elders, this is what I'm going to do. And then I realized what I said. Oh, God. Oh, God. Sometimes you need to just be quiet. But, but that was God. Amen. Because when I started to think about it, when I started meditating on that thing, oh, Lord. I hadn't talked to Sister Benson, and, and, and I was really wondering, maybe I spoke too soon. And so when it came time to make that first offering, I didn't get the full offering. But then I started feeling like Ananias Sapphira. The Lord didn't make me make that promise, but I made a promise. And so the next time I wrote a check, I completed my vow. I completed my vow. And now I have a right because I obeyed the Lord to do what he told me to do. I, I can shout now. I can shout now. I can shout because I've obeyed. I've obeyed. I've obeyed what the Lord told me to do. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Get ready. Get ready. Stand with me. Here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I want you to shout with a loud, as loud as you can shout it. God has bridged the gap. God has bridged the gap. On the count of three. One, two, three. God has bridged the gap. One, God has bridged the gap. 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 God! concert. They had 144,000 
people at a Taylor Swift concert. And she starts singing one of their favorite songs. The audience starts shouting so loud that they actually, actually created a real earthquake, registering, registering 2.3 on the Richter scale. I wonder if we could create an earthquake, giving glory and honor to God. Let's shout. He has bridged the gap. He has bridged the gap. He has bridged the gap. He has bridged. Yeah. Yeah. Bring an earthquake, God. Take our praise and our honor to you that you might be pleased. Yeah. 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 Yeah.